Well, the message that I've got to this evening is out of Philippians chapter 1, mostly. Um, the title of this message comes really in the form of a question. And the question is, and the title is, What is your life? And I burdened and thought in prayer here this week, and even today, to put this question to us as kind of a self-examination. So what is your life? Another way of putting that might be this, to ask, who are you? Who are you? What is the essence of your identity? And there are really two primary errors that I believe people tend to make with regards to this question. What's your identity? So on the one hand, many people are so aloof in their engagements and they're so scattered in their commitments that they really don't have much of an identity. They're so busy doing this, that, and the other, and always distracted by every little thing that there's no strong commitment, there's no governing principle in their life, and they really don't have much of an identity. And then, on the other side, the other hand, people are so consumed and obsessed with their commitments that whatever particular engagements that interest them tend to kind of take on a life of their own. Their identity becomes derived from whichever things that they're involved with. Now, this can be true of the soccer mom whose identity is all wrapped up in what she's doing with their kids. And you'll find that one day, and the dad's doing his own thing, and one day the kids are going to grow up and leave and they're going to realize they're living in a house with a stranger. And they don't have an identity that's rooted in the marriage that they have. Their identity was so consumed by the life of their children that they really don't even know who they are anymore. I believe that's why a lot of people get divorced whenever their kids grow up, because there's nothing to connect them anymore. That was their life. That was their identity. And this can be true for the soccer mom. It can be true for the workaholic dad who's always so obsessed in whatever he's doing for work that everything else takes the back seat, and this is his life. This is who he is. And you can see the same thing in perhaps a, some sort of a political agent or a, like the LGBT advocates Everything they talk about, every you see this in television a lot. It's like the television series can't go more than half an episode without introducing this. It's the identity of the focus is so consumed by it. Now, the reason I want to talk about this and ask this question in Kansans for Life, I believe is somewhat obvious, but we'll consider anyways. It is fundamentally important that we never find our identity more in the things we do even the good things we do, then we find our identity in Christ. So let me ask you, is your chiefest cause in this group, in everything that you do, the glory of God? And you see, this is very important, especially I'm thinking about some of the comments that Rodney was making before we started, that looking at the world and seeing wickedness reigning in so many places, and it's like, what are we even accomplishing? And it's so frustrating. Well, here's the point at which having your identity and what you're doing rooted in Christ means you're a person of conviction and not a person that's only going to do what you do based on whatever results come. Now, I'm not saying there's not value in reconsidering and seeing how can we be most effective. That's a wonderful thing. But making sure that we don't, we're not driven to the point of despair when we don't see the results that we might like to see. So I ask as well, are you actively seeking to honor Christ in every engagement? Or do you find that your commitments tend to take on a life of their own? 
Philippians 1, listen to verses 19 through 23. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. So here we see Paul in these first few verses, and he's bringing up issues of life and death, and he's really talking about who he essentially is. To live is Christ. So whatever he does in his life, it's for Christ. That's the point he's making. And to die is gain. And he's saying, I would prefer to die, because that's better. I can go be with Christ, but if I'm going to be alive now, all that I do, my identity in life is wrapped up in Jesus Christ and who He is, and all that I do is for Him. And so in light of those things, I want to ask you, honestly, when was the last time that you poured out your time, your energy, or your money, you invested yourself with the mindset as you were doing it that it was an offering to God. I was counseling actually a few different people this week. I got the opportunity to ask this. Uh, They were asking me in the context, they were saying, so how do I know if the advice that I'm offering, if I'm doing it sinfully or not? And there's a very intimate context. And I said, well, maybe this would be a good question. If you take whatever you thought, whatever you said, or whatever you did, could you imagine yourself taking that thing lifting it up to God and saying, I did this for you. And if you would be embarrassed to give that thing to God, that's a pretty good indication that you did not do it from a right heart. We're to live our lives as an offering. We can go and read from, I won't, I won't but we could read from, uh, from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which talks about our bodies are to be presented as a living sacrifice. While we're alive, we're living unto God living unto Christ. That is our identity. Now, it's true that it is a wonderful thing for us to expend ourselves in service to God, and surely defending the unborn must be something that is honorable in the sight of God. Dealing with the issues that this group is focused on, surely God approves of. But we've got to be convinced of the order of these things. This is what I mean. In all the engagements, what does it mean to have your identity in Christ and not in the thing you're doing? Here's another way that you tell. Is your service to God an attempt to earn His favor? In other words, if you expect to earn God's favor through any act of righteous service, no matter what it is, no matter how good it is, if that's what you're expecting, God is going to be pleased with me when I stand before Him because of what I'm doing in this context then I would suggest to you that you are going to face Him in the judgment. And you will be cast into hell if you die trusting the righteous works that you have done. There are no righteous deeds which will ever bring you to a right relationship with God except the righteous deeds of Christ. That's it. So someone says we're not saved by works. Well, actually we are, just not ours. (laughs) We're saved by the righteous works of Christ. And it's so important that we have this right so that we see that our engagements, our endeavors are in light of what He has done for us. And we'll consider in a moment 
That's exactly Paul's argument in the moment. And you can see it as well. We'll look in Galatians at the end. But here's the proper attitude. This is how we're right in this. We see that our service unto God is not to earn salvation, but as a reflection of our thanksgiving for what He has done, saving us apart from works. So in light of that, we'll continue on to the end of this chapter, Philippians chapter 1. I left off at verse 23. He says, I'm hard-pressed between two. My desires depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. He says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have an ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. A lot of different things wrapped up in this, but Paul takes his own experience. He's saying, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, he's saying, I believe that God's going to prolong my life on your account for Christ's sake. He's going to keep Paul alive so that he can minister to the church at Philippi for the glory of Christ. So he sees all his life to be lived for Christ and His glory. Now he turns it around in this last part and says, to what end? In order that these Philippians, that their manner of life would be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now I love the way I believe, I didn't look at it, but it seems I recall that in the King James, instead of saying manner of life, I believe there's an old expression, let your conversation which the use of the word conversation wasn't just what you say, but it was your entire life. It was the way you lived. And so the ESV puts it, manner of life. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so who, what's my identity? Is the manner of my life worthy of the gospel of Christ? Well, how do you know that? How can you know if the life you're living is worthy of the gospel of Christ? Well, the first thing you've got to be convinced of in order to know that is what is the gospel of Christ. So it's your identity as a Christian. Everything else in your life must go out the window except for this, Jesus Christ. And everything that you do must be done in light of Christ and His gospel. And this is the message that this Jesus, the Son of God, that He came into this world, He lived righteously where we could not, and He died under the wrath of His Father in our place. He was buried and He rose from the dead. And that because of Him and our union to Him, we're promised forgiveness of our sin and eternal life. That gospel that saves me from certain destruction, that forgives me of my sin and my rebellion to God, that message has to be the driving force behind all that I do. And again, we reiterate this, to have a life that's worthy of the gospel, a manner of life worthy of the gospel, is not saying that it's deserving of the gospel. It's saying worthy of the gospel in the sense of this, that does my life and the way I live it reflect what Jesus did for me? 
Now, all of us are going to have to say, no, not perfectly, but there should be a correlation between the two. In other words, if, if you did some great act of kindness for me, something you helped me, if I was broken down between here and Denver on the side of the road, and you drove an hour and a half to come and bring me some gas or help me out, and I said, I'm so thankful, but then every time I saw you after that, there was no kind engagement, there's a poor reflection. I can tell you I'm thankful all day long, but if there's no correlation between that and how I'm actually living, it makes me look like a liar that's not really thankful, actually. So what it's saying is let your life be in correlation with the true gospel you say you believe. And so the charge is really this. Are you living for Christ? Regardless of what the name above the endeavor is. This could be Kansans for life, mother, father, grandparent, church member, community member, member, etc. The question is, is Christ your identity? I'm going to give you another test. Here's a really helpful test. Is Christ your identity? You know how you know? You take every, if you took everything else in your life away, would you still have an identity in Christ? If all the things you're doing were removed in a moment, would your life still be focused on Christ in the way that it is now? If you would feel like I've lost my identity, if all those things were taken away, that's a strong indication that you are finding who you are, your identity, in something other than Christ. But if you are living for Christ, then you'll, with Paul, be able to say dying is gain. And we've got to recognize that everything we're seeking to do in this life, including this meeting now, is to be an extension of Christ's work in us. And this is where this gets really important. See, to have a, a life that is lived with the mindset, I am united to Christ, I'll challenge you. If you're at all inclined, go and read your Bible and go and read and find in the New Testament how often you find this expression. In Christ, through Christ, for Christ, of Christ, because of Christ. In Christ is one of the most common expressions in the Bible. You ever thought about what does that mean to be in Christ? It's not just saying that, well, I'm a Christian. Yes, that's true if you're saying that. But what it's saying is that I am actually united to Him. The things I'm doing, it's not only me that's doing it. One time, I mentioned this recently on a Sunday night, someone asked Charles Spurgeon how he did all that he did, that he had so much work that one person could never do it all. And his response, he said, you forget, there are two of us. And the idea behind that, it's not just wishful thinking. And we know this from the Scriptures. Paul said this in Galatians 2.20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ... It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see how practical this is. Paul is saying, I'm living. I'm, it's Paul who's doing things, but he says, it's not me doing this, it's Christ in me. He's saying the life I'm living is directly related to believing in the Son of God. And not just believing in Jesus, but believing in what He did for Him, who loved me and gave Himself for me. For the Apostle Paul, there was no reality in life that he could ever take away from or separate from the gospel. Jesus died for me must be at the foundation of everything that we do. And so if you believe that Christ is the Son of God and that He has died for you, the charge is this that we would live by faith in Him, do all that we do for Him and His glory. And in this way, 
that whatever we do, our identity, who we are, what is your life, who are you? If someone asked you, who are you? What's the first thing you would begin telling them? It's likely that in your own mind, whatever the first thing you think of is probably the thing you consider most important. Someone asks you who you are, if the first thing you begin telling them is you're about your grandkids, that's a wonderful thing, but that's not your identity. Your identity must be in Christ. If you start talking about your children or your job or anything else, Christ must be the one in whom you find your identity. The last thing I would say is that if this brings conviction to you, in one sense this ought to convict all of us, that we fail Him in not living for Him. And yet it is possible that there may be someone even here right now. I have no reason to doubt anyone's profession of faith, but I am not God, and so I don't know your heart. If you're seeing that your identity is not in Christ, but it's in all the things you do, even religious things you do, then repent of your sin and trust in Him that He might become your all in all, that you might really live for Christ. And if you are, if you're doing that, if you can say that's my goal, then you can do all sorts of wonderful things and trust Him with the outcome, realizing He's the one who must be at work in me to accomplish everything. Jesus said to us in John 15, what? Apart from me, you can do nothing. nothing. That's right. So, that's all I have for this evening, and I want to thank you for coming and, and allowing me to, to share. Thank you, Dex. Thank you.